0: Amen. It's good singing, and we're turning together this evening in God's Word to Colossians. We have been working our way through Colossians. We've come into the second chapter, and we have spent uh, a number of weeks in Colossians chapter 2, and so we return to it uh, once again this evening. We know that chapter 2 has been the chapter of conflict And the believer is reminded that on a daily basis, we are in a battle, and it's a spiritual battle. We battle against the world, the flesh, and the devil. And we've noticed here in this chapter, uh, the preparation for the conflict. And verse 1 of chapter 2 tells us it's a great conflict, and therefore we need to be prepared, and we need to be ready We thought about progress in the conflict and we looked at those different word pictures that the Apostle Paul has used in this particular chapter. We thought about the soldier and the pilgrim and the tree and the building and the student and the river, these different pictures speaking of progress and we ought to be growing in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour. Last time we thought about perils in the conflict and those perils that the believers at Colossae faced through false teaching and they were brought time and time again to the Lord Jesus Christ and to consider his fullness and to consider the completeness that they had in Christ. And so we come tonight back to chapter 2. And our thought this evening is about our position in the conflict, our position in the conflict. We're going to break into chapter 2 at the 8th verse. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. We land there at verse 15. May the Lord bless his word to Our hearts this evening and so thinking tonight about our position our position in the Lord Jesus Christ as we are in the battle as we are in the conflict and the verses that we have read together make repeated reference to the position of the believer you notice there in verse 10 those words in him and ye are complete in him. And that's an expression that the Apostle Paul loves to use as he writes his epistles. He keeps reminding the believer of their position. We're in him. We're in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he uses that to speak about our union with the Saviour. And then you look there at the commencement of verse 11 and he's still speaking about the Savior and he says, in whom also. And bringing us again to think about our position. And when you look at the next verse, verse 12, you will find the words there, with him. Buried with him in baptism. You'll find the words with him are repeated there in that 12th verse. And then in verse 13, you could look into that verse and we're quickened together with him. And again, the apostle is making these references to the position of the believer. These little phrases that just show us our position in Christ. The last time we finished off by making reference to the completeness of the child of God Verse 10, and ye are complete in him, the one in whom dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And out of his fullness we have received, and therefore we are complete in the Savior. We need nothing additional to Christ. We need no extra. We're not searching for something more or for something else. We are complete in him. And in these verses that follow, the verses that we have read together, the apostle here is really adding meat to the bones. And he's showing to us some of the details of how we are complete in Christ. And he's emphasizing through that the position of the believer. And he uses here at least three different illustrations that I want to pick up on this evening. And those three illustrations are used to convince us that the Lord Jesus Christ is the inexhaustible source of all blessing. And he is the origin, the author of that blessing. And as our position in Christ, we're united to him. It's of his fullness that we receive that completeness. And so if you look there at verse 11, you'll see that first illustration. And it's the illustration there of circumcision, in whom also ye are circumcised. And remember, he's speaking here to the New Testament believer, and he's referring to an Old Testament rite. And he said to the New Testament believer, ye are circumcised. we look at that in a moment. Verse 12 is the second illustration. And he's speaking here about baptism. And he says, buried with him in baptism... And then in verse 13, there's the third illustration that he would use, and he speaks there about being quickened together. That quickening whereby we are made alive in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so these three illustrations are being used by the Apostle Paul to emphasize to us our position, our position in Christ. So coming to the first of them, that of circumcision there in verse 11, it really shows the position of the believer in regard to our sanctification. Sanctification. And let me say just a word to you about sanctification. Sanctification has a double meaning. It means on the one hand to set apart And there could be individuals or there could be things that are sanctified, they're set apart for the Lord. You would read in the Bible about vessels being sanctified, those vessels that were going to be set apart to be used to the glory of God. And the believer is to be like that vessel. Vessels that are sanctified and meet for the master's use. In other words, vessels that are set apart for the Lord. That's what sanctification means on the one hand. And on the other hand, it also means to be made holy. The work of the Spirit of God and the heart and life of the believer, whereby we are dying more and more on to sin. We're living more and more onto righteousness. We're being conformed more and more to the image of God's dear Son. And so when you speak about sanctification, there's that double meaning. To be set apart and to be made holy. And when Paul refers to circumcision here, that Old Testament rite, it was that Old Testament rite that really set apart the people of God. That was, if you like, the, the sign and the seal that they belonged to the Lord. Circumcision was to be the sign or the token of God's covenant with his people. Now It was an actual physical operation that was performed on every uh, Hebrew male child and that was an indication that they were being set apart they belonged to the Lord they were the people of God a sign and a seal that was given and when Paul's writing to these Colossians he said to them ye are circumcised but I want you to notice as the verse 11 goes on He says, with the circumcision made without hands. And so therefore, he's not referring to the physical operation and the act of circumcision. He's using it rather here as an illustration. And he's using it here symbolically. He's speaking about a circumcision that is made that is without hands. If you look at the end of verse 11, he refers to it here as the circumcision of Christ. So what what is that circumcision? Well, we're referring here not to the physical operation, but we're referring to the spiritual. The spiritual. And really what the physical was illustrating symbolically was a spiritual work. If you look over in the New Testament to Romans and to the chapter 2, you can see that Romans chapter 2, it helps to explain this. It's not so much the outward physical operation and act of circumcision. No, it's speaking more about a spiritual work that is internal. And in Romans chapter 2 and the verse 28, Paul says, For He is not a Jew which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. And so Paul speaks to the Romans about a circumcision of heart. And it's an inward work. And it's a work of the Spirit of God upon the heart. And it's that sanctifying work of God, the Holy Spirit, where he sets the individual apart for himself. May the work of grace by the working of God, the Holy Spirit. And that's not something that's just new under the New Testament economy. It was also known in the Old Testament that while it was the outward uh, right and it was the physical operation that was carried out throughout the Old Testament Scriptures, yet they knew as well that it was symbolical of the inward work. And let me demonstrate that to you. In Deuteronomy, the chapter 10 and the verse 16, it says, Circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart and be no more stiff-necked. And so it's speaking even in the Old Testament about the circumcision of the heart. And in Deuteronomy chapter 30, And in the sixth verse, we see it again. And the Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart and the heart of thy seed to love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul that thou mayest live. You could go into it even further in the Old Testament and you would read about uncircumcised ears and uncircumcised lips as well as the uncircumcised heart. You remember Stephen in the New Testament, and he came to speak to his accusers and to his persecutors, and they were about to take up stones to stone him to death. And what was it that he said to them in Acts chapter 7 and the verse 51? He said, Ye stiff-necked And uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost, as your fathers did, so do ye. And so Stephen could speak to them about having uncircumcised ears and hearts by resisting the Holy Spirit of God. And so you can see that when it comes to our text of Scripture tonight in Colossians chapter 2, and there in the verse 11, that Paul has in mind a spiritual work, that work that is within, that which is a work of grace by the Holy Spirit of God, being circumcised with a circumcision, not made with hands. Verse 11 goes on to say, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. This is this spiritual circumcision. Putting away the body of the sins of the flesh. We're calling it sanctification. Sanctification whereby there's that setting apart unto the Lord and for his glory. And then there is this putting off the body of the sins of the flesh. That's being made holy. That double meaning of sanctification and the old nature and the old man, that body of flesh is to be stripped away, is to be cut away. That's the circumcision of Christ. If you were to glance ahead into Colossians chapter 3 and there the verse 5, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication and uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence and covetousness, which is idolatry. And that word mortify, it means put it to death. Put off the body of the sins of the flesh. Cut away the old man. Chapter 3 and verse 8. But now ye also put off all these. Put these things off. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth and and so forth. There's the sanctification of the believer. That's the circumcision of Christ. The circumcision made. Without hands, the heart and life of the believer. Then we move quickly to this second illustration. It's found in verse 12, and it's that of baptism. And here our position is highlighted by our identification. Paul has first spoken of circumcision to show our position in Christ by way of our sanctification, but now he uses another example, that of baptism, to highlight our position through our identification with Christ, whereby we are associated, we're identified with him. And again, when it speaks here about baptism, it's not so much referring to the actual sacrament, but rather it's what it symbolizes. It's again speaking about the work of the Spirit, the baptism of the Spirit, whereby the believer is set aside for Christ. Baptism expresses our Complete identification with Christ in his death, his burial, his resurrection. That's what Paul is speaking about here in verse 12. Buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. Again, it's perhaps best explained by looking at an example in the word of God. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, you could look there with me at the second verse. And in 1 Corinthians 10 and the verse two, it's referring back to the Old Testament once again, and into the days of Moses. And it says, "And we're all baptized onto Moses in the cloud and in the sea." There was God's ancient people, the children of Israel, and they're described by Paul as being baptized into Moses. What did he mean by that? Well, he meant that they were identified with Moses. And remember, Moses was their deliverer. Moses, if you like, was Israel's savior. And everything that they enjoyed by way of blessing was coming to them from God. Through Moses, he was something of a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, Paul is saying, they were baptized onto Moses. The same principle carries forth to Colossians chapter 2 and verse 12. It's the baptism here of the Holy Spirit. And it is the work of the Holy Spirit that places the believer into the body of Christ whereby in our salvation we come to be identified with him, we're we're united to him, and we know of receiving of his fullness, and we appreciate more of the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we considered on the Lord's Day evening, we appreciate more of the burial of the Lord Jesus. And of course we think about the resurrection of the Saviour, And here is something of that baptism of the Spirit, that by his death we know that our sins were nailed to the tree. By his burial we know that the old man is to be buried with Christ. By his resurrection we're to be raised up in Christ as that new man, that new woman. That newborn babe in Christ, that new life that we have in him. And as we continue on in our Christian lives, we we come to appreciate more and more all that great work of redemption, everything that was involved in the incarnation and what the Savior has done for us. Spirit of God revealing those things to our hearts and instructing us in the things of God. As Paul wrote to the Romans in Romans chapter 6 and there in the verse 4, he said, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. And Paul's bringing the same thought to the Romans here. In verse 6 of Romans 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. There's that death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And our old man is to be put to death with Christ, is to be nailed to his cross, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Therefore, by the work of the Spirit, we identify with the death, the burial, the resurrection of our Savior. I believe that's what was behind the prayer of the Apostle Paul in Philippians when he said that I might know him. The power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, even the death of the cross, to be something of a partaker there uh, with Christ and his sufferings and to know the merits of the great work that he accomplished. There's the completeness of the believer being revealed to us and that completeness comes from the fullness of our Lord and Savior. And so these illustrations, the position highlighted by our sanctification, a position highlighted by our identification, and a position highlighted by our regeneration and there, just look with me briefly at verse 13 of our Bible reading. And in the 13th verse, Paul says, And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, you see, that's before conversion. That's before the work of Christ upon the heart. Then he says in the latter part of verse 13, Hath he quickened together with him? Having been forgiven, you all your trespasses quickened together with Him. The word "quickened" in the Bible it means to be made alive, to be made alive, and you've been made alive with Him. Being made alive is the work of the Spirit. Remember, we're dead, we're powerless, we're helpless. We couldn't do anything of ourselves, but the Holy Spirit moves upon our hearts and implants within our hearts that principle of life. That spiritual life being granted to the heart is called a quickening, being made alive to God. That time whenever The Lord moved by his spirit and we knew his quickening power and the effect and the result of that quickening being made alive was to repent and to put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's this regenerating work, the work of God, the Holy Spirit. We refer to it as being born again. And it's that new beginning being raised up to newness of life in the Lord Jesus Christ and as the verse 13 indicates to know what it is then to be forgiven, to be pardoned, to be cleansed from the guilt of sin and to be made ready for heaven. Verses 14 and 15 that we read at the end of our Bible reading tonight, and it really brings that particular section to a close. We could just read those verses again. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances. That's a reference to the law. The law that condemned us. The law that found us guilty. But the Lord in his great work upon the tree was blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us which was contrary to us and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Triumphing. Believer, tonight, we enter into that victory. At Calvary, the Lord Jesus Christ defeated all the powers of evil against us, He defeated there the very claims of the law against us. They're null and void tonight. We have everything. Everything in Christ that we need. You're complete in Him. May the Lord strengthen our hearts through these great truths tonight as we see our position in the conflict. It's our position in Christ. We're going to Sing a few verses of the hymn number sixty three. The hymn numbered sixty.